Thank you so much for listening to this podcast of our weekly message here at Brighton United Methodist Church. If you're looking for a church home in the Brighton area, I want to invite you to come and visit us. Check out our website at www.brightonunitedmethodistchurch.com and find us on social media. I pray you find this message inspiring and check back for future installments. This morning's scripture is from the book of Daniel, uh, chapter 6, verses 10 through 24. And I'm reading from the New King James Version. Now, when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went home. And in his upper room, with his window open toward Jerusalem, he knelt down on his knees three times that day and prayed and gave thanks before his God, as was his custom from the early days. Then these men assembled and found Daniel praying and making supplication before his God. And they went before the king and spoke concerning the king's decree. Have you not signed a decree that every man who petitions any god or man within 30 days except you, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions? The king answered and said, The thing is true, according to the law of the Medes and the Persians, which does not alter. So they answered and said before the king that Daniel, who is one of the captives from Judah, does not show due regard for you, O king, or for the decree that you have signed, but makes his petition three times a day. And the king, when he heard these words, was greatly displeased with himself and set his heart on Daniel to deliver him. And he labored till going down to the sun to deliver him. Then these men approached the king again and said to the king, Know, O king, that it is the law of the Medes and the Persians, that no decree or statute which the king establishes may be changed. So the king gave the command, and they brought Daniel and cast him into the den of lions. But the king spoke, saying to Daniel, Your God, whom you serve continually, he will deliver you. Then a stone was brought and laid on the mouth of the den, and the king sealed it with his own signet ring, and with the signets of his lords, that the purpose concerning Daniel might not be changed. Now the king went to his palace and spent the night fasting, and no musicians were brought before him, and his sleep went from him. Then the king arose very early in the morning and went in haste to the den of lions. And when he came to the den, he cried out with a lamenting voice to Daniel. The king spoke, saying to Daniel, Daniel, Servant of the living God, has your God, whom you serve continually, been able to deliver you from the lions? Then Daniel said to the king, O king, live forever. My God sent his angel and shut the lions' mouths so that they have not hurt me, because I was found innocent before him. And also, O king, I have done no wrong before you. Now the king was exceedingly glad for him and commanded that they should take Daniel up out of the den. So Daniel was taken up out of the den, and no injury whatever was found on him, because he believed in his God. And the king gave the command, and they brought those men who had accused Daniel, and they cast them into the den of lions, them, their children, their wives, and the lions overpowered them, and broke all their bones in pieces before they ever came to the bottom of the den. 
the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Well, grace be yours and peace from Jesus Christ our Lord. You know, we're coming at you here with another installment of our series we're calling Sunday School Revisited. This series has been all about going back into the scriptures and finding those stories that we might have learned as children uh, from a loving volunteer teaching our Sunday school class, or maybe we read the stories in the midst of children's church. Perhaps our parents got us a children's Bible and we we learned these stories through the lens of uh, a child's version of these stories. We think we know them so well. And yet, the question has been coming up, do we really know what these stories are all about? Well, we've been looking into that a little bit. We've been revisiting these classic stories of Scripture to see if we've missed something, to see if there's new insight that we can gain. And it's been a lot of fun. Many of you have shared with me uh, online that you are enjoying this series. I I hope you are as much as I'm enjoying preparing the series. These stories are wonderful. So far, we've looked at Noah and the ark, right? We looked at Samson and Delilah. And last week, we, we unpacked the famous story of David and his showdown with Goliath. Well, today we turn to one of my favorite stories from Sunday school, and that was Daniel and the lion's den. When I was a kid, maybe I was just a preacher's kid and that's why I had these, but I had a series of cassette tapes that had retellings of these classic stories that had Joshua and the Battle of Jericho and the spies going into the uh, Holy Land. And uh, one of them was this story of Daniel and the lion's den. I used to listen to the cassette on my, on my tape deck at home as I fell asleep. That was, I had trouble falling asleep as a child, and so I started listening to tapes to help me fall asleep. And, and This was one I listened to over and over and over again. I thought I knew this story well, but it turns out that even this story has a lot to offer us. The first thing I want to tackle in unpacking the story of Daniel and the lion's den is to help us understand who this Daniel was. Who was Daniel? Well, Daniel was uh, one of many Jewish exiles that were brought into uh, Babylonia after the Babylonian Empire overpowered uh, the kingdom of Judah, the southern kingdom. This is the period of time uh, when the people of God are expelled from the promised land, are, are forced into moving into other places. This was a way for Uh, for conquering empires to maintain control over local populations, they would simply move them to new places. This this migration of conquered peoples, this exilic period as we call it, was a way to keep the Jews in check. They conquered Judah, they overrun Jerusalem, and they, they took their people into exile, expelled them from their lands. Daniel was one of them. In fact, Daniel and three of his companions make for some of the more famous stories of our scriptures, right? Now, Daniel lived in roughly the sixth century before Jesus. 
And the first half of Daniel's book is just packed with stories that could have made this series, right? They're just packed with all of these wonderful stories like uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the fiery furnace. The dream stories that seem so vivid and so uh, interesting. The mysterious hand writing on the wall and Daniel is called to interpret. And of course, we have this story of Daniel being thrown into the den of lions. Daniel was extremely faithful to God. I mean extremely faithful to God, even while living in a foreign land under the pressure to cave to pagan religious practices. He was extremely faithful time and time again. He demonstrates his faithfulness to God. He was also a respected leader in the Babylonian hierarchy. He was drafted as a, as a respected leader who wound up working for the pagan conquerors and earning their respect and admiration. Now both, both are very unusual. They were very unusual in Daniel's day. They continue to be extremely unusual today that we can, someone can maintain a faithfulness to God and yet still be respected and work and thrive in a pagan world looking to draw our attention away from God to fill in the blank, anything else. It's very unusual. It, it hints, honestly, that the story of Daniel, it, it hints of the, another story in Scripture, the story of Joshua, as he's sold into slavery and winds up in Egypt and works his way through the interpreting of dreams to earning the favor of Pharaoh and rising to prominence in Egypt, that he would become the savior of his people in the midst of drought. It's very like Joseph's story, Daniel. Daniel is faithful. No matter what he's doing, and no matter how well respected he is, he never compromises his faithfulness to God. Now, the story begins of Daniel and the lion's den. In chapter 6 here of uh, the book of Daniel, before uh, the passage that Doug read for us today, we get the setting of the trap. The setting of the trap. It's important for us to, re to realize the motivation behind this trap that's being set by Daniel's peers and his rivals, that this is born of a political rivalry. This plot to set a trap for Daniel is born of a political rivalry. If we jump back into the word in chapter 6 of Daniel, go to verse 4. And if you haven't opened your Bibles yet, um, I want to encourage you to grab a hold of your Bible. Uh, you have no excuse, right? You couldn't have left it at home because guess what? You're left at home. So grab a hold of your Bible and get your eyes on this copy of God's Word with us. And, and let's dig into this together, shall we? So in, in chapter 6 of Daniel, in verse 4, it says, So the presidents and the satraps, they tried to find grounds for planting or they tried to find grounds for 
uh, a complaint against Daniel in connection with the kingdom, but they could not find grounds to com- uh, for a complaint or any corruption because he was faithful and no negligence or corruption could be found in him. You see, Daniel is rising to prominence and it, and it even says earlier that, that the king is considering putting Daniel over the entire empire. If you can imagine, it's very much like the story of Joseph. Daniel has risen to prominence and has demonstrated faithfulness and, and diligence and honor and integrity in his work to the point that this foreigner, this foreign exile of the empire is being considered to be put over the whole empire. Well, that, that really enrages his colleagues, his peers, his rivals, and so this plot is born of a political rivalry. However, that political rivalry turns religious. Watch in verse 5. The men said, We shall not find any ground for complaint against Daniel unless we find it in connection with the law of his God. Do you hear that, shi- that shift? They're like, we got to get rid of this Daniel. So they start looking for reasons to bring a complaint against him. And when they can't find anything, they say, you know what? We're going to need to dig through his religious devotion. Because one of the things we know about Daniel is that he is so devoted to his God that the trap we set will have to be related to that. So the political rivalry turns religious. And it sets up a conflict for us. It sets up a conflict because these political rivals go to the emperor and they say, let's do a, let's do a, a decree, let's do an interdict, right? Where you prohibit anyone to pray to any other being, God or human, other than you. Because you see, remember, in pagan cultures, the emperor, the king, the ruler of a region was considered a god in human form. And so they, they go and they prey upon the pride and the, the arrogance of their emperor and they say, do a, do a decree, right? That no one could pray to anyone, God or human, other than you for the next 30 days. And the king says, that sounds like a good idea and he signs it. But this trap sets up the conflict at the center of this story of Daniel and the lion's den because you see, The root of the story is the conflict over the sovereignty of God. The sovereignty of God. Sovereignty is the the, the power and authority. It's a challenge to the power and authority of the one true God, the God that Daniel worships, Yahweh, the God of the Jews, the God of Jesus. And it sets up God's supreme power and authority over and against the pagan king who thinks himself God, but is foolish and led astray. It sets up this power. Who's more powerful, the king or Yahweh? The king or the God of Daniel? The trap is set. Now, the next important step is the step that Uh, begins with the portion that Doug read for us this morning. And that is Daniel's faithfulness. 
You see, not only do we have to understand the parameters of the trap, we also need to understand the, the fullness of Daniel's faithfulness. You see, Daniel's faithfulness is well established. In fact, it's so well established that it becomes the only thing that his political rivals can point to as a possible weakness, right? They can say, God, Daniel is so faithful to his God that we can set this trap and know that he is going to fall. We can set this trap and know that he will not follow this interdict. And if we can convince the king to sign it, then we're golden because he will remain faithful. You see, Daniel's faithfulness is so well established, not only for us in Scripture, but for his rivals and for those who are around Daniel, that it becomes the substance of the trap. Now, Daniel, it says, it's important, knows, although Daniel knew that the document had been signed, that's the document referring to the trap that was set, right? Even though, although Daniel knew that the document had been signed, he continued to go to his house and pray, right? Daniel knows that the king's interdict is in, is in effect. He knows that praying will, will contradict that, will, will break, run foul of that interdict of the emperor that he serves. But he prays anyway. But he prays anyway. His faithfulness to God is not going to be governed by his circumstance. His faithfulness to God is not going to be governed by his circumstance. And I think of all of the Christians who are underground, worshiping God and thriving in the gospel in a place like China where their religion is outlawed, heavily restricted at best. Daniel knows that praying to his God will run him afoul of this interdict, but he does it anyway because he serves God first. His faithfulness to God will not waver. Now, here's an important point that I want to just emphasize here for us, that he doesn't just go and pray because of the interdict, right? Well, I'm not going to not pray to my God because you say I can't, right? It's sort of like uh, a child who... Uh, think, of, think of a child who, who wants something only because they can't have it, right? And the second, uh, the second they know that they can't have it suddenly becomes the only thing they want. I think some of us are like children in our faith in that sense that, that as soon as something feels restricted, well, then we want to go out of our way to exercise that something, whatever it is, right? But here in Daniel, in verse 10... Toward the end of verse 10, it says this very important clause at the end. He goes and he, and he prays to God three times as, as he does, just as he had done previously. This is important, you see. Daniel doesn't hear about the interdict and go and say, well, you said I can't, so I'm really going to make sure I do it now. Daniel just does faithfully what he has always done. He continues in his faithfulness. He continues in his faithfulness. Now, his faithfulness is demonstrated throughout the whole portion where the, the, the trap layers go back to the emperor and they say, 
you know you can't change the law, right? And you know that this is what you put into law. And he's like, yes, and yes, and yes. And he's like, then they pounce. Then they pounce and they say, King, Daniel has been praying to his God. You must throw him into the lion's den. And the emperor, he, he does his best. Darius, he, he does his best. He seems more grieved than a foreign emperor should over a Jewish exile. But, but he seems very grieved about this. So Daniel must have made quite an impression upon him. And his faithfulness is so great. Daniel's faithfulness is so great that the king leans upon that faithfulness as he resigns himself to condemning Daniel to the lion's den. The king then gave the command in verse 16, and Daniel was brought and thrown into the den of lions. The king said to Daniel, may your God whom you faithfully serve deliver you. May the God whom you faithfully serve deliver you. The point here is, is that Daniel does not ramp up his practice in the face of opposition. Opposition comes in the midst of his continued faithfulness. So often we get that backwards, don't we? We experience an opposition and then turn to greater degrees of faithfulness in the midst of that opposition. But you see, Daniel is different. Daniel is prepared for what comes because he remains faithful throughout. Well, the trap is set. Daniel's faithfulness is put on trial. The question is, who can intervene? Who can intervene? Obviously, Daniel can't. Daniel can't save himself, right? As faithful as he served the emperor, as faithfully as he has worshipped and prayed to his God, Daniel cannot save himself. Daniel breaks the interdict and winds up in the den of lions. The king wants to intervene. In fact, the scriptures bend the poor King Darius into a, into a pretzel trying to get him uh, to find a way. But because of the, of the traditions of the Medes and the Persians, as it's put in the scriptures, he cannot renege on a law that he signed in. Even he, the king who signed the law, cannot now break it. So the king can't intervene, but he wants to. In fact, he wants to so desperately. Listen to 15, verse 15, as he goes, The conspirators came to the king and said to him, Know, O king, that it is the law of the Medes and the Persians. Notice there, they know the law too, and they, they've, they're careful to make sure this is part of their trap, that no interdict or ordinance that the king establishes can be changed. And the king finally gives the command. Well, unlike David, where others, unlike David from last week, where others could have intervened, in fact, Saul tries to intervene, his brothers try to intervene, other people are saying, you're just a shepherd boy. And he certainly, David, that is, certainly did not have to fight the giant. He had a choice. He made that choice, and he went out to face the giant in faithfulness. Daniel has no choice. Daniel has no choice. His only choice was to not be faithful to God in serving 
King Darius, and he wouldn't do it because of his faithfulness. The king cannot intervene no matter how much he wants. Daniel cannot save himself. Of course, though, God does intervene. God does intervene miraculously. And we see it in the relief of the king, right? As the king rises, it it says that the king uh, went into his place and spent the night fasting. No food was brought to him and sleep fled from him. Right? Then at daybreak, at the very dawn of the next day, The king got up and hurried to the den of lions. When he came near, he's crying out to Daniel anxiously, Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God, whom you faithfully serve, been able to deliver you from the lions? Right? You can hear it in his voice. Now, one of the curiosities about uh, this whole series has been discovering those little details that don't make it into the children's Bible version of these stories, right? When you read them in the text, and I encourage you, and you'll be challenged to go back and read this whole thing yourself. But we had, uh, we had all sorts of curious stories about Samson and all the things that he did that were sort of bizarre, right? And we had even some curiosities around, around David, uh, especially some curiosities around Noah. There were all kinds of things that you're just like, I'm not sure I really thought about that, or, or I'm not sure that was included. And this is one of them right here at the end of the portion that, that Doug read for us, right? In response to Daniel's being delivered and the king's so relieved, the king then calls for all of those who accused him to be thrown into the lion's den themselves. But of course, it doesn't stop there. The scriptures tell us that their wives and their children were added to them. This goes back to uh, an ancient pagan and, and even an ancient Jewish understanding that women and uh, it's a cultural understanding, not a religious one, a cultural understanding that women and children were the possession of the man. And so their possessions could be destroyed along with them. And so their women and children, which seems really harsh and really unfair and, and really grotesque, are thrown into the lion's den with, with the men who try to lay the trap, who tried to get Daniel removed from the scene for their own political gain. Now the result of the trap undone is that Daniel's faithfulness leads to God's glory proclaimed to what we find In verse 25, continuing on from where Doug left off, it says, Then King Darius wrote to all the peoples and nations, all the peoples and nations of every language throughout the whole world. Did you get that? May you have abundant prosperity. I make a decree that in all the royal dominion, people should tremble and fear before the God of Daniel. That is Yahweh. Right? Daniel's faithfulness... Daniel's faithfulness leads to God's glory being proclaimed to all peoples and all nations over the whole world, the scriptures tell us. That's what faithfulness can bring, glory to God. It's not glory to Daniel that he survived. Daniel is the instrument of proclaiming God's glory throughout all 
the world. Now, I don't know if you feel like this, but I certainly, I certainly do. In our highly polarized and emotionally charged time, it seems that traps are laid all around us. I have a a good friend and colleague who said, dealing with COVID-19 as a church leader and and responding to the racial tensions in our culture at this time is a little bit like tiptoeing through a minefield, right? You say the wrong thing, or think the wrong thought, or post the wrong picture, or support the wrong group, and you just might get fed to the virtual lions out there. I don't know if any of you feel like that, but I certainly do. There seem to be traps Set by culture, set by interest groups, set by even friends. All around. Looking for a chance to throw us to the virtual lions. What we need today, though, is not new and public faithfulness. But what we need is continued, persistent, every moment of everyday faithfulness from the people of God. Where are you, people of God? We got to get our private house in order. We've got to be able to be faithful to God in the little things throughout all of our life before we can ever imagine taking that public. Right? We don't need more new and more public faithfulness, what we need is continued and persistent and every moment of everyday faithfulness from you and I, the people of God. You know, St. Francis is famous as having said, preach the gospel always and when necessary, use words. I think of Daniel when I hear that quote. Preach the gospel always, and when necessary, use words. You notice that Daniel barely says anything to anyone except God in the midst of this story. Go back and look. Daniel doesn't say a word. He says so little that he's barely a character. We talk about Daniel. We don't hear from him in the midst of this story of his tangle with the lions in the lion's den. But Daniel understood what it meant to preach the gospel, to be faithful always, and when necessary, use words. Daniel exuded faithfulness. It it came off of him so much that it was the obvious trap for his political enemies to set. And it was that same faithfulness that got him in trouble. But it was also that same faithfulness that delivered him from the mouths of the lions. We need more people prepared to preach the gospel always and only when necessary use words. We need people who are ready to continue in faithfulness, persist in faithfulness, every moment of every day kind of faithfulness, not just when opposition comes, but all the time and everywhere faithful to God, the people of God. And here's the thing, if we can do that, If we can do that, 
then God's glory will be known. God's glory will be known to all peoples and nations throughout the whole world. And I can put it no better, honestly, than King Darius himself as he proclaims this doxology. He sends this this decree out that all should tremble and fear before the God of Daniel, the God of Jesus, the God of you and I, the God of the universe. He says, for he is the living God, enduring forever. His kingdom shall never be destroyed and his dominion has no end. He delivers and rescues. He works signs and wonders in heaven and on earth. For he has saved Daniel from the power of the lions. Darius knows who God is. We know who God is. The question is, will we, be, will we be faithful to that God? Will we be faithful to the God of Daniel, the Father of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ? Will, be, will we be faithful to the God we serve always and everywhere, moment by moment, and let God get the glory? I'm ready. Are you? Amen. Well, friends, we come now to a, a, a time of challenging you with some homework. This is the time in the, in the worship service where I challenge you to, to take what we've just talked about in the message and apply it to your everyday life. How do we put this into action? These are just words unless we do something with them. And so the first step, of course, is that you would do our Thirsty 30. You remember the Thirsty 30 is 10 minutes of Bible reading, 10 minutes of prayer, and 10 minutes of worship each and every day. I want to challenge you to set that as a minimum. If you're not doing anything at all, do something, right? If you're doing something but it's not 30 minutes, try to get to that 30 minutes this week, right? If you're already doing 30 minutes, challenge yourself. Do a little bit more. Go a little deeper. Spend a little more time with God. If you dedicate in faithfulness, we just heard from Daniel, right? Praying three times a day to his God in faithfulness. So if you can do that in faithfulness, it will make all the difference in the world. Give that 30 minutes or more to God each and every day. Now, while you're engaging in that thirsty 30, I want to challenge you. Uh, the story of Daniel and the lion's den is presented entirely within Daniel chapter 6, but I mentioned earlier in the message that there are a lot of wonderful stories that you might be familiar with. And I would love to invite you to go all the way back to the beginning of Daniel. Now, beyond the lion's den, uh, Daniel's book gets into prophetic declarations that are, are very much like Revelation in the New Testament. They're, they're apocalyptic proclamations and dreams that David has, visions that David ha or Daniel has. So I want you to go back and... and don't worry about the second half of Daniel for now. But if you go back and read Daniel 1 through 6, chapters 1 through 6, you will find some beautiful stories and some great inspiration. And you'll be even more convinced of Daniel's faithfulness by the time you're done. So that's part of your homework. While you're doing your scripture reading, I want to challenge you to read uh, 
the first six chapters of Daniel, including this story of the lion's den. Now, we've got just two more weeks left in this series, and uh, I'm not settled on the stories that we're going to use yet. And so if you have a suggestion of a story that you learned uh, as a child, some story that you kind of know about, I've gotten many suggestions already, uh, but I'm still sifting through them to find just the right couple to fill uh, out our series in the next couple of weeks. So uh, don't think it's too late. If you have a story you'd like me to consider using... um, Go ahead and send that to me at revkershaw at gmail.com. Post it in the comments below, uh, whatever you'd like to do. But let us know if there's a story we could add to this series that you would enjoy. Uh, And if it doesn't make this series, who knows? Maybe it will make a future series. Until then, let us pray. Shall we pray? Gracious and loving God, we come to you today to renew our commitment in faithfulness that your glory would be known throughout the world. Lord, we pray that you would give us courage in the face of opposition, that you would give us boldness in the face of oppression, that you would give us love in the face of hate, that you would give us peace in the face of conflict. Lord, we ask that you would come mightily upon us by the power of your Holy Spirit and guide us to preach the gospel always. And when necessary, Lord, give us the words. Give us the words that would proclaim your peace and joy and love and grace to all people in all nations. We pray these things in the mighty and the powerful and the precious name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Amen. I want to thank you for listening to this weekly message here at Brighton United Methodist Church. If you're looking for a church home in the Denver area, I want to invite you to come by and visit us. Check out our website at www.brightonunitedmethodistchurch.com and find us on social media. Remember, you are loved.